speaking, it was done. Welcome to sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Reverend Dr. Matthew Richard. Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, The son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David, in the Spirit, calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand, until I put your enemies under your feet. If then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? And no one was able to answer him a word, nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. The Ten Commandments, yes, those Ten Commandments, they are very good. They are very good if a person uses them properly, yes, properly. But that's the problem, isn't it? Many times we do not use the Ten Commandments properly. Indeed, we use the commandments improperly. Take, for instance, those religious leaders in the reading from the Gospel of Matthew this morning, those religious leaders, they grabbed a hold of that law, they took the law, they divided it up, and they used the law to test, or we could say, to trap Jesus. For them, for them, the law, it was a tool. It was a tool that they could manipulate and use to accuse Jesus. That is to say, they were not using the law properly. But doesn't our Lutheran confession say that the law accuses, always accuses? Isn't that one of the proper roles? Is that not one of the proper roles of the law to accuse us? Let's pause here for a moment this morning and consider the Ten Commandments. The Lord God has given us the gift, indeed, of the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments are etched onto our hearts, they're etched onto stone, and they're printed in the Holy Writ, the Holy Bible, for several purposes. First, the law, this law, this holy Ten Commandments, God's Ten Commandments, they are given to function, get this, they're given to function like a curb or a fence, if you will. The law is intended to protect God's good gifts. You see, God gives you the gifts of authority. He gives you the gifts of life, marriage, possessions, a good reputation, and contentment. 
These are good gifts. These are very good gifts. Which is why God says to us not to dishonor authority, murder, have sex outside marriage, steal, slander, and covet. You see, when we dishonor authority and murder, when we dishonor marriage itself, when we dishonor these things, well, we pervert and poison God's good gifts. Indeed, we pervert them. And so we could say that one of the purposes of the Ten Commandments is God himself telling us to knock it off, to knock it off. The Ten Commandments, we could say, bluntly stated, they keep us from doing stupid stuff to ourselves and others, things that would ruin the good gifts of God, those good gifts of authority, life, marriage, possessions, a good reputation, and contentment. Second, second, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit works through the law to give you the knowledge of sin and then bring about what we call the conviction of sin in your conscience. You know how this feels, to have that burdened conscience, knowing that you did something wrong. In other words, without the clear guidelines of the law, showing you and me what is right and what is wrong, well, our moral behavior... Yeah, our moral behavior in this world would be mostly just a bunch of guesswork. And so the law shows you what is good and what is true and what is beautiful. It shows you what is also sinful and false and bad. For example, when we steal a cookie from the cookie jar, the law says, Thou shalt not steal thy cookie, the seventh commandment. You see, the seventh commandment, it reveals to us that we have sinned. And the Holy Spirit then leads us to a troubled conscience and ultimately repentance when we steal the cookie. But this is where we need to pay special attention. We need to really wake up at this point and listen carefully. Yes, the law, it reveals sin and then it accuses us. However, this happens so that we may be led to repentance of sins, and then ultimately, ultimately to the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. In other words, those religious leaders that we heard about this morning, those religious leaders, that lawyer to be precise, well, they were using the law to try and trick Jesus and lead him into a scenario where he would have, yes, where they would have the upper hand, where Jesus himself would be kicked around and scuffed up a little bit by their endeavors, by their conniving, and by their trickery. They were using the law to try and condemn Jesus and then potentially shame him, and then in the end, they would have power over him. The law it was being used as a tool, if you will, a tool of power, a tool to destroy Jesus and put them above Jesus. If they could knock him down, condemn him, they could be here, he could be there, they would be in control. The law was a tool of their trickery. I can remember back, I can remember back reading a book about 15 years ago on this subject. It talked about how contemporary, yes, contemporary religious leaders use the law, how they use the law improperly, just like those Pharisees and those Sadducees and that lawyer. In other words, modern religious leaders they spiritually abuse, get this, they spiritually abuse people when they use the law to accuse a person to condemnation 
but then fail to deliver the gospel for forgiveness, life, and salvation. But why would they do this? Why would they not deliver the gospel to poor, miserable sinners condemned under the law? The answer? Well, these modern, spiritually abusive religious leaders, they actually withhold the gospel for the sole purpose of controlling and having power over their followers. Again, this is exactly what was going on, exactly what was going on in a reading from the Gospel of Matthew. They were using the law as a trap. Now, dear friends, the law of God is a gift, as we have already established. It is a gift to you and me. It protects His good gifts, God's good gifts. The law protects God's good gifts from being destroyed by our old Adam, the sinful nature. And the law of God, it reveals sin and leads us to repentance so that we may be prepared to hear and receive the forgiveness of sins in Christ Jesus. And so we could say that the proper use of the law is that in the end, it leads us to Jesus. It prepares us to receive Jesus, not the religious leader's agenda. Perhaps we could simply try to say it this way. The Holy Spirit works properly through that law to protect us and, again, bring us to repentance so that we are prepared to receive the gospel. Or we could, again, maybe try to say it this way. The Holy Spirit properly uses the law to bring us to humility so that we may receive the blessed grace of God in Christ Jesus. However, however, when mankind uses the law improperly, we apply the law to those around us to condemn them and burden their conscience so that we can shame them, use them, manipulate them, control them to whatever we want them to do for us. Bluntly stated, when the law is used properly, we are protected and prepared to receive Jesus. But when it is used improperly, we're not protected and Jesus is withheld from us. Tragically, I'm reminded of a story where a pastor would grip the pulpit every Sunday. He'd grip that pulpit, the sides of the pulpit, and he would lean forward and give one of those fire and brimstone sermons every single week. You see, he would lean forward and he'd preach with sternness. He'd preach the law for 10 minutes, for 10 minutes straight. And then, after that 10 minutes of preaching the law, he would preach the gospel for about 60 seconds. And then he would return to preaching the law for another four minutes. In other words, this pastor wanted to make sure that the church knew that they were sinners, which they did. Then he talked about Jesus really, really quickly, about 60 seconds, because he knew he was supposed to do something about that, talk about Jesus just a little bit. But then after 60 seconds of talking about Jesus, He's very determined to get back to the law again, to get right back to that law that he'd been preaching about for 10 minutes. But why? Well, the pastor did this because he did not want to lose the spiritual control of the church. In other words, at the end of the sermon, at the end of the sermon, he would issue demands and threats and force so that he could get the condemned par parishioners, those condemned parishioners, to engage in good works, or be more godly, to act more pious according to his desires and his outcomes. The sermon was one big pile of shame and spiritual manipulation that everyone, that left everyone in constant condemnation, left everyone in fear. And the pastor, 
Well, he felt empowered. He felt empowered and in control because the end of the law was not Jesus, but actually himself. And so tragically, as you can already tell, there was no room for Jesus in this pastor's sermons. And the Holy Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit was kicked out of the church long ago because the pastor was using the law to his own agenda, to his own specifications, to his will. As a result of this, get this, half the church just stayed home on Sundays. Why go to church when you already know that you are a sinner and then you are not given any solution to sin and you're told again and again and again you're a sinner and there's no solution? It's better just to stay home and rot in hell, potentially. The other half of the church, well, they stayed in the church and they did everything possible to try and alleviate the burden of the conscience and to satisfy the shame of the pastor. They essentially lived in spiritual abuse, doing their best to make the pastor happy and appease the law that weighed heavily upon their conscience. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Baptized saints, the law, the law was never meant to trap you and leave you in condemnation, shame, and manipulation or spiritual abuse. The law is good. It is God's good gift to you to bring you to contrition, to bring you to repentance, to bring you to sorrow of sin, which is good, so that you may be ready to hear about the Savior of sinners, Jesus Christ. You see, when the law is properly used, it will curb your old Adam from blowing up God's good gifts. And when the law is used properly, it will reveal your sin in you so that the Holy Spirit may reveal Jesus to you. And baptized saints, this is the great news. This is the great news. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. He is the end of sin. He is the end of condemnation. He is the end of shame. He is the end of guilt. He is your life. He is your truth. He is your hope. He is your freedom. He is your satisfaction, your atonement. He comes only for sinners so that sinners may not left, be left with a guilty conscience, but left hearing this be, a good cheer, be of good cheer, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Full stop. You are forgiven. Baptized saints, may the law of God bring you to dust and ashes, but may the gospel of God resurrect you to life and salvation, for you do not belong to condemnation, and you are not to be left under accusation, muddling around in this life with despair, but instead your ears are meant to hear the gospel that you are forgiven and that you belong to Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormatrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.